we need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Dear listener, this is a bit of an unusual episode. So, uh, last night, uh, myself and the boys went along to a Freedom for Faith talk, and we listened to that, and then we debriefed uh, afterwards at a at a Mexican restaurant around the corner. So, the um, the problem with this is that we were down the back, which we thought might be a quiet part, but it ended up being right next to the kitchen, and uh, there's a lot of noise. So... I really thought about just scrapping this entire thing and uh, and just calling it off for this week. But I thought, hey, the recording's there and it costs you nothing. And if you want to listen to it, you can listen to it. If you don't, then it hasn't cost anybody anything and just turn off and tune in next week. So so here it is. Here's our discussion. Uh, I had to chop off a bit at the end that just got way too bad with the uh, pots and pans in the background. But... Uh, in any event, if you're, uh, for some strange reason, this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, um, this is not the normal sort of thing that we do or the normal way it turns out. So, so pay no attention to this episode and, and look at one of the other ones. But uh, for those of you who are true believers and just want to listen to a group of white men chat for a while, then uh, here's a little bit of a, a 30 minutes or so and... We'll return to the normal podcast next week. So, um, so anyway, uh, apologies for the audio, and bear with it if you like. If you don't, tune out, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Welcome back, dear listener. A special episode of the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast. Currently, we're ensconced in the back of a of a Mexican restaurant, which is the only place open selling beers. Uh, there's five of us here. Um, myself. The Iron Fist, Scott, the Velvet Glove. G'day, Trevor. Paul, the Twelfth Man. Craig, uh, Deep Throat. And was the the what are we going to was what are we going to give you for a moniker? The, the beer sponsor. The, 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 the beer, no, you don't. That's right. Exactly right. Was the beer sponsor perhaps? So we've just finished up at a Freedom for Faith talk, and we're now ready for our debrief. And uh, well, first up. Uh, Beautiful venue. This is the thing that gets me about these guys. They've got wonderful facilities to do these things. We've been to some other things, you know, hosted by religious groups. And what you wouldn't give to have just a hall and the PA equipment and all the rest of it just sitting there ready to use whenever somebody comes into town and you want to hold an event. There's, there's no cost for these guys. They've got the facilities already. And I'm always really jealous of their audio-visual equipment. They've got mixers and stuff everywhere. They don't spare a dime, do they? It's the top quality of everything just in terms of the venue. It, it is. Was, it was, the, the whole thing was very professionally put together. You know, you had um, a great venue. They had excellent AV equipment. And, you know, they were up there recording it while they were going because they're publishing it to the website too afterwards. So. Yeah. So anyway, they had um, Michael Callahan from Freedom for Faith was the main speaker. And look, at the end of the day, he came across as fairly reasonable, you'd have to say. He wasn't a fire and brimstone character in this regard. He gave the stock standard 
uh, sort of spiel that you would expect. And in the way of the modern evangelist who's well-schooled, like he's, uh, he's, got a, he's a lawyer and careful with his words and knows how to use the word freedom uh, a lot because that's a word that, you know, gets a free pass. There's no such thing apparently as a bad freedom, but in fact there are bad freedoms. Um, anyway, I um, so he gave his speech, which uh, a couple of things that came to mind, and I've, I've left my notes in the car when I dropped, off, dropped my stuff off to um, pick up this microphone gear, but one thing that he was tending to allude to was identity, and he was trying to paint the the secular argument as being somehow based in identity. And it's not. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, the secular argument is we don't care what your identity is. We need to treat everybody the same. No special rules for anybody. We're all the same. And I thought, you know, that's something that they might be aiming for down the track of of identity as, a, as an argument. And But, yeah, other thoughts that you guys had from what they had to say? Um, Craig hit the nail right on the head before when he said that they're setting themselves up to be the victims of the future. Yeah. Craig? Mar- martyrdom's the thing that they're, they're aiming for, I think, down the track. But a couple of things spring to mind also just about the setting. Uh, at the end, the questions from the audience indicate to me that there were not just us subversives in the, in, in, the, um, in the audience, there were others there that were also there on the same sort of mission that we were on to, to see what they're all about. So I think they were tiptoeing around a little bit because they were aware, aware of what was going on. And also when we arrived, the woman was a bit suspicious. Who are these guys? I haven't seen them before. What are they about? Are they ones that are gonna, people that are going to come in and um, disrupt the meeting? So I think he was tiptoeing around a bit because of this... You know, feeling that there'll be people in the in the audience who aren't on their side, and maybe they've had experiences in the past where people have got up and um, caused a, a a commotion. So I think that was restraining him a little bit as well. Yeah, not many people, only about sixty. Look, I I thought he was he was pretty well informed, pretty moderate in his in his language. Mm. You know, as I said to you guys before, the only thing I really disagreed with him strongly on was his uh, conviction that there's this guy called Jesus who's coming back to save us all, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it's a pity sometimes I think that such intelligent you know, well-educated people are still locked into this magical thinking, you know? Mm. Of our ancestors that we should have left behind. But. But is one of the valuable things out of these experiences when we went to Hillsong and other events like this is is when they do launch into their prayer and everyone bows their head, it does just give you an insight into into that thinking. And you're right, can be incredibly analytical in his thinking and really passing ideas like a lawyer would. And then um, when it comes to faith, though, it's just all in and um, all that swept to the side. Uh, So... It is a, it's a good reminder of... I mean, Warren, have you been to a church event before? Have, no, I, I don't know your background. I was out of my comfort zone right. there, uh, earlier. But, um, yeah, just uh, the thing that jumped out at me was the lack of numbers, really. And if this is a big issue in the Christian community, I would have expected a lot more people to show up. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, I, I think you're right there, but I think that... Um, 
I think they've probably also taken their hit with the uh, freedom for, uh, with the uh, Ruddock review because you know that was put down beautifully by Trevor when he said um, afterwards that it was an own goal. It was a mm. spectacular own goal. They went in there expecting to get the continued right to discriminate and that sort of stuff, and it backfired on them badly. Mm. So you know that's probably why they were just at home licking their wounds tonight rather than being out. And it also probably accounts for why the guy was so reasonable because he realised he's lost the argument, you know. Well, there was a reluctance to talk about it, I Absolutely, thought, you know? yeah. And uh, there was an admission there that the media have made misinterpretations and, uh, you know, that it hasn't been released yet, but there's already been misinterpretations. So I don't know where he's yeah. coming from when he's saying there's misinterpretations. <laughs> if he hasn't actually seen the report, how does he know it's been misinterpreted? Exactly. I mean, this is the whole point it was just it was a leak of the 22 recommendations wasn't it something like that 20 yeah 20 recommendations mm. and that's that's all that's been released was those well, there was they were leaked there was know? a there was a bit of a trumpian sort of anti-media mm. spiel in his talk there where yeah, yeah as you he, say where he, he didn't like the sydney morning accused, Herald, accused the media of misrepresenting the the ruddock report because of leaks and and just his reference to the sydney morning herald and the way that they had had misled people in relation to the Anglican backflip. And, um, yeah, very Trumpian sort of you-can't-believe-the-media line he was giving there, which was quite unfair, I thought. Although yeah. he did also mention that um, he referred to the Sydney Anglican Church as unreconstructed. And they're well known around Australia for being arch-conservative in the Anglican Church in Australia. Yeah, but that's his group. He said he's an Anglican in I know, Sydney. I so, know. Yeah. But, it, you know, it was, it was a tongue-in-cheek reference then, was it? I don't know. I found that some of the stuff I couldn't quite nail him down, the way he was saying, it was a little bit slippery in that regard. Yes. So it was hard to know what he was talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult for us in a review to sort of say, that was wrong, um, or mm. because it was very generalist and... I'd love to be a fly on the wall right now with the crowd and everything gone when they could sit there and they could really let fly and really say what they really wanted to say because I don't think they said what they wanted to say. I don't know. I know that's your line. Um, that was, it, the whole thing was very... Scott, the whole thing was a, was, a, was a con job, I think. It was... It was it almost felt like it was set up for us because they knew we were coming and that type of thing and they just set it up and they said, like, let's just speak as reasonably as we possibly can. Yeah. I'm not sure about I, it. No, I, I don't know about it. theories yeah. going on here. <laughs> I, think, I think you're giving them too much credit there. Yeah, yeah well, maybe I am. Mm. Yeah. Just one thing that I noticed. Um, when you st- first started talking, he was talking about two sides into the Ruddick report. He'd read, what, 100 um, submissions and he got the feeling there were two sides... Um, and, but basically, his two sides were saying they both believed in freedom of religion. Um, but he, then he said, and 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 the other thing he said was that there was no real restriction on religion at the present time. Yes. Uh, but he said it's coming. It's mm. coming. You know, this restriction is coming. And the other thing that put a put a spin on it for me was he said there's. In, in telling people what they could do about it. one was to pray. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, yeah, yeah. I can deal with that. That's not going to do anything. So, mm. but the other thing was not to be afraid. Don't no fear. Christians don't show fear. Yes. But then he, he, but the very thing he was saying was this is coming. 
be scared. Yeah, yeah. Was, and then don't be afraid, but be scared. You know, like, what, what's he talking about? You know, yeah. This sort of thing that was going on. So yeah. he was, in a sense, engendering, engendering fear in the, um, in the audience, you know, and... Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the sort of feeling I got there uh, yeah. from him. Yeah. And the evening started off with a reading from Acts chapter 4. And it was a, it was a reading which was promoting the apostles who, who basically were referring to the resurrection of Jesus and how the political powers of the time were telling them, you can't say that. But they had a higher responsibility being their responsibility to, to God. And good on the apostles because that's what they followed. And, you know, segueing into everybody in this room, you know, you have a, you know, you have a responsibility to God. And basically, reading between the lines, it outweighs your responsibility to the state. It was you're going to face... It was a very specific reading that the apostles faced a choice between their responsibilities and obligations to the state and to God, and they chose God. And you are going to be faced with the saying and make sure you make the right choice. I thought was how it opened up. That's uh, a very good point. I hadn't mm. considered that. You're quite right there, though, that they have... He did very subtly call for people to disregard the laws. Yeah, yeah. and there was a, quite a reference to the state. We don't want the state telling us this, and we don't want the state telling us that. There's a few sort of lines like that throughout his speech. Is it so, not a little bit seditious? Y- yes, yes. Do you know that the one thing that caught my ear was when he referred to the people in that Bible story as being, you know, just good, common, working men, basically. In other words, not highly educated, yes. not excessively sophisticated, just good, common people who knew that when God gave them an order... That's, that was what they needed to do, you know? And it seems to me that um, it's, it's usually... I mean, I'm always surprised to, to hear such well-educated, intelligent people, like he obviously is, mm. uh, talking about religious matters at all because, um, you know, he should have been educated out of that magical thinking to start with. But it seems to me that when, you go, when we go to Hillsong or places like that, it's not that... All the people there are stupid, but they are just, um, I mean, they probably do think of themselves as, as, the, as the common, ordinary people who are, who are doing the decent thing by following the, you know, the religious traditions rather than looking for sophisticated, you know, uh, highly educated people's reasons for rejecting, you know. The, well, well your, your the, tribe is the... You are the people of faith, yes. is a phrase that's used a lot. And people of faith are facing persecution. People of faith need to do this. People of faith need to do that. Your tribe is the people of faith. Yeah. And, you know, once you're part of the tribe, don't worry about anything else. So you had a go at identity, identity consciousness yes. and how it's corroding uh, social unity. They didn't have a coherent story on identity, but they're, they're playing around with it as yeah. a potential option to... While, as you yeah. say, ignoring yeah. the fact that he was, you know, making a call to identity. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I knew I was only going to get one question, and I really didn't know what sort of I thought your question, question was good. And yeah. I, it was a very I, good question. I thought I could, have asked, I could have asked a more philosophical one. Like, I was really tempted to get into, 
you know, the problem with your thing is it's an ideology based on content and the gay rights is, a, you know, an innate quality. But I thought it would all just get lost. So I went for what I thought would be an easier one and I, I painted the picture, dear listener, of our chaplaincy program where state schools are required to employ somebody from a religious body to be a chaplain even though the job they're doing is not religious at all and I said you know you've got a big thing about freedom what about freedom from faith what's your position on that and he basically admitted I've never understood that rule and I'm not speaking I'm not speaking for freedom for faith but speaking for himself basically was saying you're right, it shouldn't be the case. Mm. So, I, But did he mean it shouldn't be the case that they can't proselytise? No, he or meant... it shouldn't be the case that non-religious chaplains can I, I, be employed? I think he was acknowledging that, sh- that an atheist should be able to have a role as a... You mm. think so? Yeah, that's, that's how I yeah. took his answer. Yeah, well, so, yeah, but he really had no choice. I mean, when they talk about freedom so much, they, they have to at least know it's a two-way street, at least... To, to that extent. So, anyway, it was at the beginning of his talk, he did acknowledge they'd been talking to various groups, of, of which, of whom some of them were secularists. So he may have come across this argument before and um, he put in a tight spot. So maybe. maybe he was ready for you. I tried to I tried to organise an, an interview for today. So I've been corresponding with them for the with past who? week with him. Oh, yeah, because I Ma- said Michael. Is yeah. So I've been in contact with his PA and had a few emails back and forth, and they said, oh, look, he's just too busy, won't be able to make it. But, hey, when you're in Sydney next, maybe you can. So, um, you know, dear listener... He, he would be a better interview than that That chaplain, that, um, not chaplain, that uh, pastor you had from the Gold Coast. <coughs> he would be, yes. A much yeah. more interesting and yeah. intelligent and well-informed speaker. yeah. And John Dixon I've been trying to get as well, and he's sort of kind of said, thinking about it. They're all so busy. They're very polite. So, so dear listener, it's not for one of trying that I haven't got these guys on the podcast. And there's a lot of emails been going back and forward. But they're all very busy. They're a lot busier than I am, obviously. <laughs> so, um, I mean, one of the guys who asked the question tonight about, uh, we had a beard, that was Alex. Deegan from QUT Law, and he's one who I corresponded with a lot, and he was going to come on and do a podcast, but then just decided, no, didn't want to. So um, it's not easy to get people on. Do you think they're afraid of um, lending credibility to to a secular podcast by... Just being just, on it. What's the problem is what's there to gain for them? What, it's mm. all downside. There's yeah. no gain. They're not going to convert anybody, that's and they true. might just run into trouble. So why do it? I think. And basically, that's my usual objection to attending events like this because we're yeah. not going to convert anyone either. Yeah, you just came to be sociable with us. I just came for the yeah. after <laughs> <laughs> after event drinks, yeah. basically. <laughs> Yes, so um, so I don't know if there's a lot more to say. I mean, we could talk about other things that are going on in the world, uh, if you like. Uh, let's start with Scott Morrison. What's he been up to? Look, he's clearly lost it. The, the whole thing about the bus and the VIP jet, like... That was oh, funny, wasn't it? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, he really... That's a sort of an old own goal as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, somewhere in this I might insert a bit of a clip describing what he said but uh, were you aware of it, what was what he said at all so no. so he's doing this bus tour of Queensland 
the problem is he's not on the bus. So the bus, the bus is travelling all the way up to Townsville or whatever. But he's but he's flying and he's you know claiming to be on the bus to be a man of the people. So a journalist bailed him up and said, well, "What's the point of the bus?" And he tried to skirt around the question and tried to. Um, make out that it was a good idea, but um, the dialogue of the conversation just exposed him as, as a complete fool. Yes, the journalist yeah. said, "Why aren't you on the bus?" And he said, "I am on the bus. I just got off the bus." Yes, but you know, he gets on the yeah. bus, and ten minutes later, gets off it when the bus pulls into the venue that he's, you know, mm. that he's doing at that particular time, and the rest of the time he's not on the bus. Yeah, it's and and don't you think ordinary people would see that as another flagrant? waste of taxpayers' money because it's being paid for by the taxpayer, isn't it? Yeah. No, the bus is being paid for by the LNP. Is it really? Yeah, oh. but the VIP jet is paid for by us. Okay. Yeah, it's the Commonwealth jet that's paid for by well, us. In that case, he uh, should have stayed on the bus all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have too much of a problem with that. I mean, because, you know, like you said, Queensland is a big state. Maybe they could have put some sort of beds or something like that on the bus so he could have slept on his way up to Rocky? I don't know. He's a salesman, isn't he? He is a salesman, yeah, absolutely. More a salesman than a politician, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. That seems to be working around the world. I mean, you know, salesmen are in high positions elsewhere around the world, so maybe just copying what's working elsewhere. Yeah, content matters less and less, Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, so uh, the other thing he said was, well, we had that incident in Melbourne with that guy who... Um, well, was he mentally ill? Was he a terrorist? Was he a bit of both? But uh, a burning car, got out of it, stabbed one guy to death, stabbed some others seriously, got shot by police and... Um, Died on the operating table. Yeah. So, Paul, I sense you have some thoughts about, you know, some people will say he's not a true Muslim, uh, lay off Muslims because this guy's just mentally unwell and... It's unfair to paint uh, his evil deeds onto the uh, Muslim community. Yeah, I would say to those people, how many mentally ill Buddhists set fire to cars and stab people in the neck? How many mm. mentally ill, for goodness sake, even Christians these days do that sort of thing? Quite a few in America. In those shootings in America, in the schools, they're quite often a Christian... Um, a disgruntled Christian. Really? Yes. Yeah, I mean, some of those latest ones, definitely Christian. Well, yeah. fewer Christians do that, though, because, but, I mean, as we know, fact, Christianity has been tamed. But, but hang on. All of those school shootings, the majority of them, actually, would be Christians. Well, I don't know about that. I, I think you'd have to do some research but, on that. But if, I, if you assume that fact is correct, then that hurts your argument, doesn't it? Because no. you've said... Look, you know, I mean... I, I would lump the Abrahamic religions together into a, a group of, you know, insane old desert tribal religions. But, um, you know, I mean, seriously, I can't imagine a mentally ill Buddhist would would think to go out and just randomly murder people. Well, you do the street. Buddhist majority in Myanmar yeah. went out there and slaughtered Rohingyas. Yeah, yes. I, I know that's a bit of an anomaly, but um, we're talking about a mentally ill person who acted on the, some of the central tenets of Islam. Now you've hit the nail on the head. You know what I mean? Yes. Whereas the central tenets of Buddhism are to do no harm. Yes. 
So if you're a mentally ill Buddhist, you probably wouldn't go out, you know, slaughtering people in the next village. You'd probably, you know, I mean, Jain, you know, the, the Jain religion, Jain uh, true believers actually starve themselves to death. They don't hurt anyone else or anything else. They actually just decide to extinguish their own life. Yep. So we could say a mentally ill atheist who came out and said, in the name of atheism, I'm slaughtering these people. There's no such thing. Th- then we would say, well, point to a doctrine or a holy book or whatever that says that is atheism. Whereas if a mentally ill Muslim says, I'm going to slaughter these people here because they're heathens, and we ask, well, point to the doctrine. There's lots of places we can point to. That's yeah. the problem yeah. to some extent. If you create this crazy religion with these crazy ideas and you're just relying on people to be sensible enough to ignore the bad ideas, then you have a problem when there's mentally ill people. You know, Christianity has largely reached the point where people ignore the bad ideas in the, in the, mm. in the Old yeah. Testament. But... Uh, and, and don't you think yet. that's partly due to just uh, Western civilization and the way we've all been... You know, it's a cultural thing. I mean, it's all about culture. But Western culture has basically come to the point where we do think it's a good thing to treat each other with respect and dignity and, you know, try to do as little harm to each other as possible. That's in the Western tradition, regardless of the, the Christian... Uh, element of West of Western civilization, whereas if you go to Islamic civilization, they don't. I mean, I'm sure there are some good tenets in Islam, obviously, because mm. there are a lot of ordinary Muslims who are very decent, you know, people just like anybody else. Mm. But if you if you if you dig into the central tenets of their religion, then you're going to find some very nasty stuff, and they haven't had an enlightenment, you know, a philosophical enlightenment, which said question everything, which we did get fortunately for us you know? mm. so they haven't had that that tells them to question the central doctrines of their religion mm. Right uh, I've got real concerns about this recording but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll finish it off and I'll see what happens and otherwise I'll be tossing in a repeat <laughs> <laughs> or I'll be tossing in this, this in at the end as a bonus for the true believers yeah. <laughs> Righto, thank you uh, for listening, dear listener. If you did, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. See you guys. Goodbye. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time, and you might be repeating something I've said, and... When you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you... Go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth 
more than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.